forward and then make a host. Good to go. No. There we go. There we go. Right, guys, welcome and thank you so much for giving up your Wednesday evening to come listen to me give you this full running masterclass. Um, my sole objective right now is to make sure that you can walk away and actually feel energized, feel excited about doing something that there's a pretty good chance you've probably just been dreading every single session for this past while. So my job right now is to give you a massive amount of energy, make sure that you can walk away from this actually excited, but knowledgeable about what to do to make sure that running is not the bane of your life. Not that you're dreading it and you come home from a long day or a long night of work and you say, oh, fuck, I have to do this run now. I don't want you to feel like you're just going to do it just to tick a box to keep everybody happy. But I want you to actually get excited about it. And to most importantly, know what you need to know about making this fun, enjoyable, but also to speed up the rate of you getting your results as well as we go. So before that, I'd like to give a brief little intro as to who am I and what is it that kind of gives me a little bit of a basis or a, some bit of a, a platform to be able to talk about this. So I graduated from uh, sport. I did sports science this seven years ago. I believe I graduated now. Um, but with that, originally, I wanted to work with only high level athletes. And I will wholeheartedly admit this. I was going down the wrong path because there was no enjoyment out of it. And when you're working with high-level athletes and pro athletes and stuff, it's really trying to squeeze out that extra 0.5 and 0.1%. And to be very blunt about it, pro athletes, they're not very grateful for all these things that, you know, you might be bringing to the table. Working a 12 or 15-hour shift and they're just like, yeah, cheers, mate. At the end of the day, it's, it's very difficult to make that big breakthrough difference. So what I have found is that in these past couple of years, coaching former athletes, in a lot of cases, to get that fire, to get that ambition and passion back, not just for training, but training to continually see higher standards and improvements, that is addictive. That is falling in love with the process. And that's exactly what every single one of you are doing and achieving to date. It's not just a case of, hey, I just want to lose two pounds, because you lose two and then you realize there's so much more to it. You look great, strong, confident, and those are the kind of things that exude and pour off your skin. But deep down, you know, just as well as I do, it becomes an obsession of you growing, getting better, becoming more ambitious, more relentless. And this energy that you're probably getting right now, I want you to feel the exact same about the bane of your life. The crap part, the, oh God, I enjoy walking, but I hate running. I don't want you to feel like that at all anymore because I'm an adventure enthusiast and I absolutely love doing stupid things that make my adrenaline run through my veins and just make me think, okay, this is actually what living is. Um, please recognize that I am a very straight talker and that is quite simply out of respect to you. I do not want to fluff about and try and talk about some things just for the sake of talking and filling the space. Out of respect to you, I'm gonna tell you black and white what you need to hear, not what you think is gonna be the best thing because I want you to take all of this knowledge from the training and just accelerate your own training as you go. Um, I think it's very fair and obvious as well. I, I love motivating people. Not so much that I'm a motivator. I never try and take that approach. But I love seeing people just kind of get a little bit of a different glimmer in their eye after showing them what they can do, which no doubt to date is probably one of the best things 
that you appreciate the most about your coach is that they've he's shown you and he's educated you to do things that you never thought you could do. And that's exactly what we as coaches love the most. Okay, you've been putting in so much effort, but let's just make this tiny tweak and let's accelerate. And that's exactly what I love to see every day. So let's get stuck in. Let's just go straight into it. And before we go any further, I will just say to everybody is if you have any questions on anything relative to running, throw it into the chat box immediately. I would like for you to just brain dump it immediately. And then at the end of the talk, I can come back and work through every single question as we go. So if anything comes to your head, throw it into the chat box immediately and I will come back to all of them by the end. So the main objectives for this evening are to improve running times. If you're recording things, if you are measuring things, you can see if you're winning or if you're losing. That's it. I want to make sure that if you're going to be running 5 and 10Ks, maybe even a little bit more, I want you to see that you are continuing to improve by the end of this training. And I also want to make sure that you can keep competitive. I think it's probably a, a fair comment to say that everybody is really competitive with watching everybody else and the amount of progress that they've made. And sometimes we could very easily say that comparison is the thief of joy. I want you to try and look at that in the polar opposite way. If one other human being is capable of doing something, there's absolutely zero reason as to why you can't achieve the same thing. And that is what I want to make sure that you can keep that fire lighting with regards to your competition, seeing other people as well, because it's going to help you thrive. And this is the most important thing. I want to get you excited for running. I don't want you to dread it. I don't want you to think, oh, I'm always going to have shin splints. I'm always going to be out of breath. No, you're not. And I want to also make sure that you can use running to complement your overall health and fitness as well as we go. So before we get really stuck into the good stuff where you take out your pen and paper and you start writing things down to say, wow, this is really a game changer. I want you to just think about this. And this, is, this came from uh, Bruce Lee. He said, practice makes perfect. We've all been told that. We've all been told, oh, yeah, just keep practicing. I want to be a professional soccer player. Just keep practicing. I want to be a professional X, Y, and Z. Just keep practicing. But if you're not practicing perfectly, you cannot expect perfect results. No two ways about it. Just like if you're to try and execute a squat, and you think that only going down six inches is perfectly fine. And then somebody shows you with a proper technique video to say, no, it's actually, it actually requires you to go a little bit further. It's, oh, that one little change is going to make a massive compounding difference. So with regards to running specifically, what I need people to understand is you don't just have to go through the motions. There's a lot of technical uh, aspects of this that will help to increase your energy availability make sure that you're not leaking energy and just doing something for the sake of it. But obviously to keep that enjoyment there as well. But from a skill standpoint, running falls into the exact same category as soccer, American football, uh, Gaelic football, hurling, hockey, any of those things. It requires all of the same skill sets. And this is something that has just been completely overlooked in the running world for far too long. So I'm going to show you how to practice perfectly with a couple of these drills as we go forward. So what I want you to do is just throw into the chat box, what does running feel like? Running fast, right? Because if you're to run very slow, you're like, oh yeah, sure, I could do this all day, but I'm not even running because I'm practically walking. Well, what does running fast feel like? So when you're actually consciously moving, what does that feel like? 
So I'm going to have the chat box here. Perfectly in flow or a bit out of whack? Yeah. Death? Jillian, I agree. I'm not talking now about like your 50 or 100 meter sprints. I'm talking about when you're, okay, I have to go out for a 5 or 10K. That's exactly what I want you to think about right now. So, Elspeth, burning chest. Did you have COVID by any chance? I did. I'm still recovering from it. That's okay. You're fine. Don't worry. You would get it 10 times worse if you did. Adam, anything? Unable to breathe and sends me into a panic. Megan, we're going to talk about this. Heavy-legged. Right. Awesome. Because I'm going to make sure to eradicate every single one of those right now for each of you. So, I want to make this easier. I want to make sure that you can show up and you can actually just make sure that you're not feeling any tightness or burning in your chest. Your legs are not feeling heavy and you can continue to strive and to thrive and make sure that you are going to see progress in something that you can enjoy. So let's stop talking about all the, what it's going to be like and let's actually get into it. You're already strong. And this is something that is very, very much overlooked in the running world is that people just think, oh no, sure, I don't want to do weights. That's not good for me. And unfortunately, that belief is actually still there. And there's not a lot of people that want to accept it. Um, I'm listening to a podcast at the moment. And what it is that he was talking about is uh, how running economy changes with strength work. At the moment, what they're trying to say is that this is based off the last 10, 15 years of research. The simplest way, simplest method to get runners more efficient is start with two sets of 10 reps of a decent weight. Once they have master technique, then what happens is they start to increase the overall volume, just like you have so in your training programs. But what they've found is that their VO2 max will not change. So their oxygen consumption and carbon dioxide expelling, that does not change. But they did find that their energy and mechanics completely changed. With that, they become far more efficient and they can now not just bring more energy, but also use it more efficiently and more effectively. And this is where you're at a massive operating advantage. Absolutely huge. If you have been working over the past couple of weeks, months or years to build some bit of muscle, some bit of toning, some bit of making sure that I'm actually drawing some element of shape to my whole body and figure, what happens as a result? You now have more lean muscle mass, you drop um, the overall fat mass in your body, and you're stronger. So with that all being said, what is it that actually comes next? Says my slides decide to freeze. I need you to understand that the force produced multiplied by time is endurance. Okay, great, simple, obvious, we get that. But once you, we can actually start to hold that level of strength, running gets easier, always. So right now, if you're thinking, oh, I only lift weights to try and uh, look good or to make sure that, you know, I can do X, Y, and Z in the gym, we all have strength goals. All of those things are absolutely fantastic. And yes, they do keep us focused. They keep us structured and in routine. But why can't you have the exact same principles in your running? You can now produce more force. You can absorb it a lot more efficiently and effectively. And ultimately, when you're strong, running is so, so much easier as opposed to the person that has been running forever and now they try and go into lifting weights, they're going to be weak as water and they're not going to be too efficient. And it's going to take them ages to actually come back up to standard 
and to be able to see bigger improvements in their running as opposed to you right now being in the polar opposite side, which is you're very strong, you have much more lean muscle. Now your running is just going to transcend because I'm going to show you a few different things here that are going to make a big difference. So this is getting into the very important part. What is cadence? Is the total number of steps taken per minute. The amount of steps that you take every 60 seconds needs to be counted to make sure that ultimately every time that your foot touches the floor, it's just being accounted for. That's it. That's what that one is. Well, Matt, if you just give me one second there, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to try and just minimize me and the screen because um, it might show up later. <laughs> so we're still good. So the total number of steps taken per minute is defined as our cadence. How many of you, honestly, you're all probably going to be nodding your heads right now, have ever gone out for a run and just hated it from the start, resented it during, and then swore, I'm never, ever going to do this again. And it all started because you just started to drag your feet and it was a plod. It was a bang, bang, bang. And all you're thinking is one more step and I'm just that little bit closer to getting home. Just that little bit closer again. Ugh, go on, just do it. Go through the motions. We've all done it. And fatigue kicks in and you have more resentment, more hatred towards doing the run. So you just completely lose all um, appreciation for it. So what I need you to understand very quickly is that Newton's third law states that for every action, there's an opposite reaction. So for every push, there's a pull. For every up, there's a down. And for every time that you slam your foot into the pavement or into the floor, you might give out, let's say, 100 Newtons of force. But for every action, there's an opposite reaction. So there's ground reaction force. It's actually going to slingshot a lot of energy straight back up into your foot. And unless you have resilience built up, and tolerance and work capacity to be able to actually accept and tolerate that load, it's going to get very fucking sore. It's going to get really, really painful. So that's why sometimes if you're running, you might feel like, oh, my feet are hurting. Well, what's your foot position actually like? Or is it a case that you're just slamming your foot every time because you hate running? Well, the lighter we are on our feet, then the less force we're going to take up. And that's where cadence is actually, it's a lot more... <clears throat> important than what we might have originally thought for every time that we're taking steps let's say we take 100 steps in one minute versus taking 200 steps in a minute if you're taking 200 steps in one minute there's less ground contact time you're not spending too much time on the floor for every time that your foot touches the floor you're coming back up if that is the case there's going to be much less ground reaction force because your foot isn't there for too long once your foot touches the floor, it's going to help to propel you forward. So if we're working to be light on our feet, then it's going to make sure that you're also absorbing much, much less force. If you're absorbing a lot less force, you're winning. You're decreasing the likelihood of sore feet and ankles, decreasing the likelihood of shin splints, and also you could possibly end up with some really bad doms in your quads just from running and taking too much load. But another thing that a lot of people may not want to accept is that knees hips and even the spine take a savage amount of pounding and in some cases i've seen people get really sore shoulders and traps from running as well the lighter we are on our feet the less force and pounding we're going to take back up so i want to make sure to show you a couple of drills here that are going to massively help this going forward so just give me one second here and these are going to sound a little bit ridiculous and a little bit stupid to say the very least all right so 
I always try to take the approach that whenever I'm explaining things to my clients is the more stupid and ridiculous we can get, the better, because there's much less chance of you forgetting it. And what I want you to think about right now is Krusty the Clown on the Unicycle. Hopefully everybody here has seen this episode and knows what the Simpsons are. Um, but there was an episode of Krusty the Clown. And if you notice, when he was on the Unicycle, his feet were turning around like crazy. His feet were going absolutely 100 miles an hour. But his speed wasn't changing much at all. So obviously we can talk about the radius, the circumference of the wheel and all sorts of things like that. But the main thing is, is that his feet were turning over really, really quickly, but his speed hasn't changed much at all. And that's exactly what I want you to think of. Might be a little bit ridiculous, but the more ridiculous, the better. So if you're turning your feet over really, really fast, again, less ground contact time, going to be less possibility for a ground reaction force to actually happen. And also you're decreasing the likelihood of you feeling heavy legged and getting shin splints and sore feet and sore ankles and sore knees and all the rest of it. So that's the first rule. Think of Krusty the Clown. And yes, it will feel ridiculous as you're trying this as well. Uh, with the cones, what I want you to think about is if we have some of those cones that we would have used on the pitch, they're only three or four inches up off the floor. But with those, I want you to try and think that for every step, you're just barely trying to clear the cones. That's it. As you're running, you're barely trying to get your foot up over the cones. However, if you don't go fast enough, you're going to trip because there's a whole team coming behind you. Okay, so it's your feet need to go really, really quickly. Again, we're not looking to change speed from A to B. However, we are looking to tighten the screw on the effectiveness and efficiency so that we can, again, absorb less force but produce more force. And this is probably the most effective one that you're going to come across. Think of the mouse traps. For every time that your foot touches the floor, think that you're going to step on a mouse trap. And for lack of better terms, you're probably going to freak the fuck out and you're going to want to whip your foot back up straight off the floor once it touches it. So if you're doing that again, you're going to hammer in that skill component, which is going to help to increase your cadence, decrease ground contact time, and make sure that ultimately it's going to help contribute to your overall speed as well. So this is absolutely disgusting, but hands down the biggest bang for your buck exercise or recommendation I could push on anyone. And with the hill sprints, as you can see here, this guy, absolutely 10 out of 10 technique. Okay, great. We have no idea how fatigued he is, how tired he is, what the sole purpose of his training is. But I'm going to talk you through right now as to why everybody needs to be doing hill sprints. Anti-rotation is strong running. Always, 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 always. Have you ever seen or ever possibly been that person that's twisting their arms left to right and trying to run in a straight line? You can nearly try it now. I've done this before and I've done it while running when I just dreaded it. But if you're trying to work two opposing forces against each other while also trying to walk in a straight line, it's very, very hard, not just on the coordination, but also to be able to get momentum and move forward. It's not going to be the easiest thing ever. So when you're going hill sprints, why I recommend them is this is the best thing to just absolutely hammer in and solidify technique without you even having to worry about it. The biggest thing that you should notice is that you become really tight. As you become really tight because you're going in a straight line, you want to run perfectly straight. So your two hands, they're going in a straight line back and forward as well as your feet. 
Now, here's something I didn't tell you either about the cadence, but it's not just in the feet, because you will notice as your cadence in your feet starts to go up, so does the cadence in your arms. As you are going to be practicing hill sprints, you literally just need to show up and do the work, and you get a whole bucket load of other benefits that are going to massively help your technique as you go. So again, anti-rotation is strong running. We want to go in a perfectly straight line, so therefore we'll practice running in a straight line. And unfortunately, when we sink our upper body with our lower body, there's no real better way to do it than to run straight into a hill. So just a, the quick uh, coaching cue that I will give you here is don't run up the hill, run into the hill. As you're running into the hill, you're going to focus a lot on lifting your knee, lifting your toes. Once your foot touches the floor, you're going to push the ground away from you and it's going to help accelerate you straight up that hill a lot more. Once you start to do that, strength and power production goes through the roof. But also, again, your technique has just been massively solidified from emphasis on the hill. It's also going to carry over into your running as well. So again, if those arms stay tight, you're going to prevent yourself from turning into an anti-rotating goon that nobody wants to give credit, regardless of how long he or she has just ran. Like I think it's fair to say, if we haven't been that person, we've probably seen that person that's just saying, I hate running, and they're just sloppy, and their technique is all over the place and everywhere. We've all probably done it. They don't look confident in what they're doing. And that's not what every single one of you to be able to do is say, yeah, I'm going for a run, not, fuck's sake, I have to go for a run, and I'm not looking forward to it. What is one of the biggest takeaways that you've had so far in your strength training? In your strength training, not just physically, right? But the, probably the most obvious thing that every single one of us want to be able to physically represent ourselves as leaders is we want to have the confidence to stand up tall. So just to say it bluntly, why in the name of Christ would you ever want to drop your technique and look weak and lose all your confidence so other people can look at you and pass judgment? You don't want that, right? As much as we might say, don't ever judge, there's a lot of people, unfortunately, do. And with that, if you're not looking and representing yourself as tall, strong, and confident, then if you can't represent that, then you're not going to be able to apply it in your training. We all know what it's like when you show up and you're feeling 10 out of 10 for another workout in your living room and we absolutely smash it. Hands up for every single one of us that have done that. We absolutely love it. We thrive when we're in situations like that. But what about the training sessions that you don't want to do it and you keep putting off and putting off and then you feel guilty about not doing it? Right? That does have a big carryover effect. We get that. But I don't want you to fall into that category. I want you to do this, get the biggest bang for your buck, and to be able to run tall, strong, and confident to represent yourself as that leader, as some other people will see you. So with the hill sprints, they're absolutely disgusting. I will not try and fabricate them or sugarcoat them in any way, shape, or form because they are absolutely horrendous. However, they're very short. I never recommend for anybody to start more than one to 200 meters maximum and the steeper the gradient the less time that you spend running so if you're going to run up a really steep hill you're not supposed to be running for that long maximum absolute maximum 20 25 seconds 
the more flat the hill, the longer you can run. However, starting point, one to 200 meters, four to six times. That's all I recommend. Because every time that you're showing up to do a hill sprint, you need to be fresh as hell. It is not a case of showing up and flogging yourself until you feel absolutely dead. When you're giving <clears throat> your best efforts, you're going one million percent. You're not holding back. You're going as if you just remember that you've left the cooker on and then the house is on fire. That's how fast you have to go. Okay, but once you get to the top, or once you get to that end point of your sprint, walk back down, get your breath, get your heart rate all the way down and just recover. Four, maybe six reps. But again, once you start to feel that each rep is not as good as the one previous, then it's a sure sign for you to go home. So the biggest thing is, yes, it is a lot of power production. Great, fantastic. However, it's solidifying technique. That's the biggest thing that you're going to get from hill sprints. So I would definitely make sure that you implement them ASAP. So with the foot strike, this is always a tricky one because there's a lot of us that, yeah, we just boom, boom, boom. And we end up with a sore heel, a sore Achilles, uh, sore knees, and we just say, fuck, now I'm really not enjoying this. But there's actually a couple of points that we need to look at when it comes to the foot strike itself. And I don't want anybody to land on the back of their heel. Quite simple. If you're going to focus to land on the back of your heel, there's a pretty good chance that your knee is going to be perfectly straight. And if your knee is perfectly straightened out, then what's going to happen is you're going to hyperextend that knee. Whatever about picking up some possible injuries to the knees, ligaments, and tendons there. But from a running standpoint, what you're doing is you're actually turning on the hamstrings to work against you. So what you want is if you're getting the front of the heel, what you'll notice that the front of the heel, if you look a little bit higher up, then the knee is going to be slightly bent. If the knee is slightly bent at the point that you're making contact with the floor, then that's just going to allow momentum to carry over from the next step. As opposed to, breaking and then trying to go with every single step so that's what you need to look at make sure that as you're running you're working to land on the front of the heel the next time that you go and then what happens is our weight will obviously start to shift over to the midfoot and there's a lot of people they might uh, they might argue this point to say oh no well i was told that you need to be running on midfoot in order to be stronger and springier if you're ethiopian or nigerian and you're a top level runner then I would push you to say, let's change up the technique. But for the likes of you and me, absolutely pointless right now. We're not all uh, top level marathon runners running 210, 220s. It doesn't work like that, okay? We're normal people, you and me. So I want to make sure that you're going to land on the front of your heel, and then that weight is going to transition to the middle of your foot, which is going to engage a lot more of our bigger, fast twitch fiber type muscles, which is our gastronemia, so the calf muscle, the one that's that little bit closer to the knee, that is predominantly fast twitch fibers. And this is why I want you to stay away from striking midfoot is that if it is fast twitch fibers that you're using, it's going to drink glycogen just that little bit faster. So our carbohydrate sources are just going to diminish a little bit quicker because we've altered our technique. And yes, it might be jumping a little bit further down the line, but it is something that you need to understand is that if you're drinking energy faster, less efficiently, then it's going to tire you out quicker and you're going to get that burning sensation in your chest. You're going to feel heavy-legged. You're just quite simply going to dread it very, very quickly. So it needs to be front of the heel. 
And then that weight is going to very quickly transition into the midfoot. Once we go into the midfoot, then we can start to look at the toe off, which is essentially just a little flick. It is the last point of contact in our gait strike. And as we are doing that, you will notice that it's just that subtle, swift transition from every single step. Now, when I'm saying this, I do want you to take it, practice it, implement it. But it's all going to feel very weird at the start. Of all of these things, you need to just put a little bit of focus on one of them for every single session. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give you um, a brief list of just what not to do. Right? Um, first of all, if you're ever going to Switzerland to do your first half Ironman, please go hit the tanning baits beforehand because it is hands down the most embarrassing thing ever when you realize how pasty white you really are when you get the photos back. So guys, apologies if you're getting the reflection from the screen and you're currently blinded, but this was real life. Yes, I was actually dead up until this point. Um, so what not to do? Um, Elspeth, I think you said this a few minutes ago, uh, you get a burning sensation in your chest. Do not ever concentrate on your breathing when you are going running, please. Our body is built in such an incredible way that this is a subconscious action. We don't need to think about breathing. It just happens. If we did need to think about breathing, there's a pretty good chance we'd all probably be dead. Okay? It's a subconscious action. It happens. As we start to exercise at a higher intensity, as we start to upregulate every single thing that we're doing, our body adapts very, very quickly. So please don't concentrate on your breathing as you're trying to run. Just let it happen. Also, if you go over to friend, don't try and talk. Because if you're chasing five and 10K times, it's not going to be overly efficient. It's not going to work out too well for you if you're working to try and get better. So I'm going to run through a couple of the technical points now in a second. But quite simply, if you have a certain amount of energy, you need to make sure to use it wisely. If you're trying to have a conversation with a friend, then ultimately what's going to happen is you're expelling more energy, just quite simply to talk to them. You're not focusing on tightening up the screws, making sure that your arms are going in a straight line. You're not working your cadence as efficiently or effectively. And you're not working to reinforce your posture as much as what you should. So if your energy rate or your work rate has gone up, just because you're trying to keep a conversation with Sally, it's not going to be as beneficial or impactful as you just doing the work. Please do not check your phone if you're going running. I know a lot of us, uh, Matt, I actually uh, gave out to you a couple of weeks ago for this one. Um, when people take videos and when people are taking selfies and stuff when they're going running, you're taken away from your session. Like every single one of us right now, we have a coach. Why? Because we want to get better. Be it physically, mentally, or emotionally, or all of those combined. Why would you expose yourself to a distraction that is taking you further away from reaching your potential? I will admit this, I absolutely hate it when people intentionally get in their own way. And this is one thing that is all too common. We have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have WhatsApp. I get it, trust me, I'm there just as much as the next, the next person with regards to all the socials. But the more often that you're going to be inclined to check your phone, it's just going to completely break up your momentum and your rhythm from when you're doing the running session. If you have an armband, please just swipe it down from the top right and turn off all notifications for the duration of it. Yes, this is incredibly simple as well, by the way. I promise you, you're going to hear my voice next time that you're running and you're about to check your phone. 
and you think, oh shit, the Irish guy is going to be watching me here. That's exactly what I want you to think. Please do not put a, a self-limiting ceiling and keeping yourself further away from achieving that potential by checking your phone to check Instagram or the likes. Now, this is a big one. Please do not think about all the cues, everything that I've said, and I'm going to go through a little bit more of them right now. Okay? We need to keep our arms tight. I want you to try and think that you have sandpaper underneath your armpits. I want you to make sure that your hands are going to be working like pistons on a train track. I want you to think that there's a steel rope rod or a steel pole going straight through your skull, coming right out your backside, and it's keeping you up tall, strong and confident. And I also want you to make sure that with every single step, there is fluidity and there is intention. Do not think of all of those. You could also go down the route as well of adding in Krusty the Clown and the mouse traps and all sorts of things. Don't think about all of them because you're just going to create overwhelm. Sole purpose of this training is to make sure that you can show up and take the simple stuff and put it in to practice and then get the results. So think of one thing, one intention with every training session. And again, do not flail your arms. Do not try and go around and just look like a goon, quite simply. Keep your elbows tight. Make sure that for every single step, you're representing yourself as the person that you want to be. Tall, strong, confident, simple, and it might sound a little bit irrelevant to running, but if you ever see a really bad runner versus a very good one, the really good one could be after running one or two marathons back to back and you'll still look fresh. So just bear that one in mind. And the last one, but it's a lot more important than what you might think, is do not run on your toes. Because what's going to happen is it's just quite simply going to drink your energy far too quickly. If you drink your energy way too quickly, too quickly what's going to happen is you're going to induce fatigue and you're going to start to dread running again so again front of the heel now if you're going to take anything away from this training just screenshot this that's all i'll say right this is quite simple in the sense of take this put it in and boom okay make sure that you warm up before you start your run so as you're getting ready to run, what should it consist of? If you're getting ready for a 3K, if you're getting ready for a 5K, if you're getting ready for a 10 or a 42.2K, I don't care. Every person should take at least 1 to 1.5 kilometers to warm up. Within that, um, I'm not sure who it was earlier, I think it was uh, Gillian said, that you want to make sure that you can go from walking to running without thinking, oh shit, I've gone from one zone to the other. I've gone from zero to 100 way too quickly. Take one to one and a half kilometers just to warm up. And when I'm saying that, slowly, gradually build the intensity. Start walking. As you're walking, set your timer and make sure that you're going to pick the right playlist as you put your headphones in. Right? While you're still walking, once you get your armband on, start to walk a little bit faster. Think about, okay, what's the intention of this session? Am I going to focus on cadence? Am I doing hill sprints? If you're going to do hill sprints, you definitely need to listen to a bit of Limp Bizkit or um, anything that's like really going to get you flared up. Just saying for hill sprints, you'll definitely need that. Um, make sure that you're going to then progress into a very slow, easy jog. One that you think, I could hold this forever. It's just barely faster than a walk. And then what you notice is you're like, oh, I have five or 600 meters already done. You haven't started sweating yet, but your breathing rate has adjusted for the level of work that you're putting in right now. 
your muscles have now also had an increase in core temperature and blood flow. The muscles are now activated a little bit more. You have now mobilized some of the joints and you've also potentiated the muscles as well so that they can work to do what they are supposed to do. So make sure that your warm up is just a little bit progressive. Right? Take one to one and a half kilometers just to warm up. And it needs to be a slow, gradual approach. Okay? Nobody comes straight out of their front door and just boom. They can do it, but they won't do it successfully. Take your time. Keep those elbows tight all the time. Every single time that you are getting ready for a run, I don't care how tired you are, I don't care how fresh you are. If you keep your elbows tight, you're gonna stop leaking energy. If your elbows are out wide, you're just increasing the likelihood of you twisting and essentially working against yourself. And I don't want you to do that. So keep those elbows tight. And what's gonna happen is, as those elbows and hands go straight forward, you're gonna prevent your hands from crossing over your midline. You're gonna prevent the hip shift and you're gonna prevent yourself from swaying side to side as you're trying to run in a straight line or from just keeping those elbows tight. Posture up. Just like I said a few minutes ago, and I, I don't really care what position everybody is in right now in the sense of are you a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, whatever. There's always at least one other person that looks up to you, always. They look up to you for confidence in some way, shape, or form. I don't care whether you want to believe that or not, but it is an absolute fact. So always just make sure that you are going to posture up as if that person, he or she, is looking up to you. They're asking you for your advice, asking you for help. You want to represent yourself as a leader in the exact same sense that other people see you. So please make sure, hold yourself up right accordingly. And every single one of you, you're fucking strong. So why not represent it? Be strong in every single set. Oh, but I don't want to run. Be strong. You're just repeating strength again and again and again and again. That's all endurance sports is. The ability to produce force at a high level repeatedly. That's all it is by definition. But you need to be strong and you need to showcase that in every single action you're doing. And again, keep fluidity in every step. Every single step that you're doing, every time that you are making sure consciously is a front to my heel, front to my heel, front to my heel. Just keep the fluidity and the momentum from the previous step. That's all you need to do. Okay, that feels easy. Yeah, that feels easy. Okay, if I go a little bit faster, it might be a little bit more challenging. Right, right now, I'm just going to hold it back and I'm going to keep it fluid. And hands like train tracks. Um, this sounds ridiculous, but um, I'm going to say it to make sure that everybody will never forget it. But you know the way everybody always has that one song that if and when we ever get back to the nightclubs, you just hear that one song like Westlife or something and a World of Our Own or something like that. And you just go crazy. You go absolutely mentally. Like, this is my song. I'm never ever going to forget this. This is, I'm going to throw it down right now so everybody knows exactly this is my song. Um, one thing I want you to think of right now is that the song Fat Man Scoop, uh, he's the artist. I can't actually remember the name of the, the song itself, but I know that the lyrics go, uh, if my train falls off the track, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, let's go. And it just breaks into the really cool part and everybody wants to break dance. Um, but with that, I want you to think exactly like that, okay? Keep your hands running in a straight line. They need to go like train tracks. Keep them like that. Because what's going to happen is your feet are going to operate at the exact same speed in the exact same direction 
and you're going to be able to produce the exact same amount of force going in a straight line with fluidity in every step. Now, keeping a stiff neck, you might think this is a little bit ridiculous at front, uh, but if you ever see the runner that is running with their head down, they can see their feet, they can see their toes. What happens next? As the neck drops, we start to dread it. And we start to say, oh no, this is me, I'm done. Okay, I'm not enjoying this anymore. And then the shoulders go forward. And then we start to end up with a little bit of mid-back pain. And we start to end up with a little bit of low back pain. Before we know it, you're walking. Right? With that, yes, we can have a knock-on effect. We can uh, decrease our stride rate and our stride length as well, which is going to be more inefficient. A little bit further down. But it can all be completely countered if you just have... A stiff neck. Easy way that I would say is not this one now. This isn't a perfect example, but if you have a snapback, one thing that I try and do is try and wear it up as high as I can so that if I feel like fatigue is starting to kick in and my neck is starting to drop consciously, it'll just make me turn my head back. And if the snapback is touching the back of my neck, it's going to make sure I can see 10 to 15 meters at least ahead of me. Now, it might look a little bit excessive and a little bit ridiculous with this hat because I don't want anybody having to feel like they have to look up at the roof. But if you do feel that your neck is setting a tip forward because you're getting a little bit fatigued and tired, then just quite simply use an external cue that's going to help you to remember, oh, I'm getting tired. Oh, I need to touch the cap off the back of my neck. Then I'll hold it for an extra couple of hundred meters. And again, um, just like I said earlier, no, I didn't actually mention Roadrunner, but this is a perfect example. Think of Roadrunner when it comes to cadence. Right? Coyote could never catch him. Why? Because he was so fast. But you have to make sure that you're going to turn your feet over like that so that you can increase or increase your cadence, decrease ground reaction force, and decrease ground contact time as well, which is going to help you push further forward faster. And also, it's going to help to make sure that you're getting less exposure to pain and injuries like shin splints, etc. So, what do you need to focus on right now? I'll ask you to throw it into the chat box. What is it right now that you actually just think, okay, that actually really stood out to me. I definitely need to implement this. This is going to make a difference to me. So, throw it into the chat box. What do you need to focus on right now? Just come back here. Am I back in? Sweet. Awesome. Uh, stiff neck, uh, cadence, foot position, cadence, yes. A not letting the upper body arms relax or flail, yes. Jillian, that's, um, it's, it's really easily overlooked by a lot of people because running technically yeah it's it's the lower limbs it's it's the legs but it's like oh well what's actually keeping the legs working next time you're going running just look at your or just think consciously when you start to turn your arms over faster your feet will automatically come up to speed if that starts to happen there's less uh, ground contact time and you just start to go a little bit faster um not focusing on breathing yes Please, please, that will be a game changer. Don't be thinking, am I breathing fast or slow enough? <laughs> Just let it happen. Okay. So 
am I okay with that so far? Everybody can understand me and they realize there's a little bit more to running than what they probably originally thought. <laughs> awesome. Right, guys, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to ask you that if you do have any other questions, throw them in, but I'm going to start to work through the ones that were just thrown into the chat box. So anything else? Start to ping it in right now because I want to give you as much uh, detailed value as possible. Um, Matt, warm-up routine. Um, right, okay, I'll go through that. Appropriate warm-up routine. Make sure there's at least one kilometer of running. Absolute gold standard, at least minimum of one. Before that, a couple of exercises that me, I always try and go for is a Bulgarian split squat and just hold it. Just hold the stretch. It's going to get a little bit more emphasis on the iliacus and the soles major. The hip flexors, just to loosen them up because they're really easy to get excessively tense. We start to tip over. As a lot of us were working from home, so we get into this position. So the hip flexors are a little bit more inclined to just take the blunt of the damage. Um, the other one as well is a couple of reverse lunges. Again, we just want to mobilize and potentiate those joints and muscles. Increase core temperature so it'll actually double the impact of our warm-up to help us keep fluidity throughout the course of a whole run. Another one as well, what I would go for is hamstring walkouts. So it's like you're doing a hip thruster, just walk your feet out and then walk them back in, but keep your, keep your hips up as high as you possibly can. Um, a few push-ups as well, just to get a little bit more, <coughs> excuse me, a little bit more range of motion across the shoulders. And it's also going to help with your cadence if you're doing hill sprints or otherwise. Like if you have this fired up, it's a little bit easier, but also to fire up the core as well from a coordination standpoint. And um, insertion points, the quads and Achilles, is that technique or because of my weight and impact of running? Um, dude, this is a little bit tricky because I'm not your coach, so I shouldn't be saying things, but um, I do know that this is the first time in a while, if possibly ever, that you're actually taking running seriously. Okay, and this is, this is essentially going into, for lack of better terms, the shit zone. The case of you just need to endure it. Like your body is going through a lot of adaptations because it's been exposed to a high level of stimulus that it hasn't it's experienced before on a consistent basis, I would say give it a little bit of time. If the pain has not eased, then you could look at changing technique. But I would say just, like, instead of running down the scenario of all the different possibilities, just go straight to a physical. Um, maybe check your shoes, but I know you did just invest in a pretty good pair of trainers recently. So I think you should be okay. Um, pace and run. These three questions were the three questions that the other clients, so John, Robert, uh, had asked these questions, so yeah. they'll know that coming back. But um, yeah, one of them is just repeat. Perfect. Um, with regards to pace setting, you first need to understand how do I find my pace? Before we get to that, yes, if everybody's tracking it using uh, their watches and Garmin's, uh, Garmin's, Polar's, and all, all different triathlon watches and stuff, that's fantastic. But I want to try and pull it back a little bit more. And I don't want to give anybody the sexy stuff without mastering the basics. And the basics is just understanding what it feels like to run. Okay, is this a 2 out of 10? Is this a 7 out of 10? Am I completely out of breath? do I want to just completely stop and give up? That's the first thing that you need to do is just get a general understanding of your body. Does it know what it's like? And that's when you just need to get a bit of momentum under your belt first. And then what I would say is then you can look at your average pace. 
if you look at your average pace because you have recorded a run, then you have to look at adjusting that or beating that time just a little bit each week or every two weeks. That's going to be off the back of doing your hill sprints, your tempo sessions, your fart-like intervals, like whatever that case might be. With regards to pace setting, what I would say is find a five to six out of 10. You should be able to hold that for at least 60 minutes. Right? And then from there, it can get a little more specific. You can really go further down the line. Um, but I do know that run at you're running at 70% of your VO2 max because you're trying to hold that basically for a much longer period of time. So the longer the event, the more aerobic it needs to be more aerobic it needs to be then the less intensity it needs to be so um jillian you know when you were saying earlier that you're going from a walking pace to running and it's it's kind of okay kind of moment it needs to be a little bit more gradual okay so what i would say if you're going to go like walking into a very slow jog essentially you can hold that forever okay and that's the that's the thing when it comes to so Matt, I know there was like a lot of detail there, but I think I answered it. <laughs> um, either perfectly in flow or a bit out of whack. Um, I don't know what exactly the, oh, that was the, what I asked at the start. Right. There we go. I feel it my lats. Um, as you're running. Um, more so, I think, doms, which is weird. I honestly feel like quads. Um, it's so funny you're saying that you shouldn't feel it in your quads because I've obviously been running very, very wrong. <laughs> <It's always, laughs> um, yeah, and I swear to God, just my lats. Like, I don't know, I've, maybe it's just a combination of obviously like, the training I'm doing, but I just feel like since I started running, I literally just feel it in my back quite a lot. Maybe I'm using my arms too much. Yeah, it, it, it could be. Honestly, I've, I've never heard of that before. I would genuinely just immediately I would put that down to you just did back work way too heavy, like the day or two days before. I would just personally, I would try and put that down to Dom's. Um, but it, it could be something because I do know that with the amount of vertical pressure that we have, like that's where it's going to take a lot of pounding and loading on the, the discs. And on each side of every disc is where we have the insertion points for a lot of muscles. It could be something, but I'm not going to try and jump into it because it's just going to take away from value to try and get into that. So, um, is that fair? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, would, I would put that down to Dom's immediately. Um, arm position tucked or elbows flared? Beautiful question. A lot of people nowadays, like higher level runners, they run like this. So they have a shorter lever. What you will notice with this is, yes, they still have arm cadence, However, the lever is shorter. So just give me one second here. I'm going to move this light so I can, I can show you in a little bit more detail. So if we have our arms down here, the lever is much longer. Okay, so that means that it's going to take more energy Okay, for every time that we turn it over and back. Fair? Now, mm. if the lever becomes much shorter, what's going to happen is it's going to turn over back and forth much, much quicker. If that is going to happen, just like I said earlier, our arm cadence is directly linked with our feet cadence. So if we're able to turn up our arm cadence, by default, our feet are going to turn over quicker again. So at the more advanced levels, if we have cadence going up through the roof consistently, then it's just going to help overall speed. 
and to be able to maintain that. What I would say is at the start, like me personally, I try and keep mine at close to 90 degrees. So it's roughly probably about 80. And I just go back and forth until I can feel consistent tension across the front of my shoulder and pec. I'm trying to adopt this one a little bit. I'll admit it feels very weird, right? But it's a little bit more just making sure that you're staying away from your, your midline. Okay, there's a lot of people that cross their arms over. The closer and more often you do that, the more energy you're leaking and wasting. So, um, yes, Matt, I am your running accountability coach. I do call you out on it regularly with the phone. I, I'm sure that's what that comment was about. <laughs> um, awesome, Elspeth, thank you. Um, so, yeah, guys, I hope you could understand me and I hope it brought some value with that. <laughs> awesome, awesome, guys. Show some love in the chat. Thank you, Kieran, very much for taking some time out on this Thursday. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I, I loved it. I took a lot from it. I love being the student and learning from someone who knows what they're talking about. Uh, I don't pretend that I know what I'm talking about all the time. I'd like to obviously have a rough idea, but dude, that was absolutely class. Um, everybody on here again, thank you so much. Those of you who are watching this back, just simply comment down what your biggest takeaway was. If you do not go follow, uh, if you do not follow already, go follow Kieran as the strength catalyst. Um, go check him out on Instagram. He's always putting out some really good content. Also, he has an absolutely adorable pup right now. So now is the perfect time to follow, like to follow him because um, is that serious? He's not coming off. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I tried to spell out the word walk. It was like W-A-L-K because otherwise he would have lost his nut. So um, if you want to learn out yeah. more about running uh, and just, yeah, he's uh, he definitely knows what he's talking about. So Kieran, my man, thank you so much. Team who tuned in, awesome. Thank you very much. I'm um, just going to finish the recording.